Thanks so much for, for speaking, Kevin, on our series on, on the parables of Jesus. Um, so, Kevin, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Thank you, Matt. We're actually going to begin with Anne reading to us from Matthew chapter 13. Uh, the reading is quite long if you've got the scriptures in front of you, and it's verse 1 through to verse 23. Um, and we're looking at the parable of the sower. And Anne, who is downstairs, is going to read it, and then Kevin, who's upstairs, is going to preach. There we go. Well done. So Matthew, Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. And whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil 
refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Thanks, and beautifully read. I want to pray again because we've just heard the word. Um, this scripture is all about the word, and I want to pray that our hearts are like the good soil um, and receive the word. So, Father, we pray that you will give to us um, ears to hear. Help us to see with our eyes and hear with our ears and understand with our hearts and turn again to you. And we pray, Lord, that your word this day in this place will produce in us a crop of a hundredfold. For the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, Matt, thanks for inviting me to speak, um, and I think others are going to be speaking over the next few weeks, but just a great privilege, really, to, to share God's word with you. Um, you give me the parable of the sower, which must be about one of the most familiar uh, of the parables of Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've had infant school children playing seeds and uh, being plants growing in different types of soil. I think it's a parable that people know not only within the churches, but beyond the churches. And in a sense, it's a parable we can't get away from because we stumble across it in each of the first three Gospels. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, as we're reading here, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. It appears not just once, in other words, but it appears three times in the New Testament. We can't get away from it. And on each occasion, it takes a good number of verses, like the 23 that we've just heard, because it's one of the very few parables where Jesus actually gives us an interpretation of the parable itself. Uh, generally, he leaves the work of interpreting a parable to us. He wants the story to wash around in our minds and our hearts, and for then for the penny to drop. But in this parable, we get the master's interpretation uh, which is very unnerving for a preacher because you're left thinking, well, the master's told us what the parable is about. What can I possibly add to what Jesus says is the interpretation of the parable? Well, wait, wait and see. Um, and like all parables, it's very accessible. So once again, we see Jesus taking real familiar, real life illustrations and then using a familiar image to draw us into something deeper in the things of God. So he speaks of weeds on another occasion, uh, in fact, later in this chapter, he speaks of yeast and treasure. Uh, he speaks often illustrations to do with fishing and nets. He speaks of vineyards, very familiar things in the culture of the time. And here he speaks about a farmer. And maybe in our mind's eye, we, we can think of Jesus sitting in a boat because that's where he is. He's got crowds of people uh, in front of him. Um, he's had to retreat to a boat simply in order to uh, be able to address them all. And maybe we're to imagine him looking beyond the crowds and seeing a farmer. And seeing a farmer in the ways of old, dipping into his satchel bag and taking hands of corn and seed and broadcasting that. And was the very sight of that, the thing that then led him to, to bring this interpretation, this parable that comes out with some really deep things to say to us. 
And it's not just an accessible image kind of 2,000 years ago, but it's a durable image that seems to still work in the 21st century <laughs> as well as it did in the first century. Perhaps we sew differently, um, certainly in the uh, agricultural world than 2,000 years ago. But we still know about seeds and we still know about soil. And I know Matt's a great gardener and we're trying to learn here at Nine Vickers and Grove. So Anne's been planting all sorts of seeds over the past few weeks and maybe you have uh, in your gardens in this great weather. And we spent Easter uh, weekend digging over a flower bed um, or to, about to become a flower bed in the corner of our garden. And I got a beautiful blister uh, on my thumb digging over hard ground, hard soil. In fact, there was a moment when I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. The ground was that hard. We gathered stones literally by the bucketful. <laughs> so not only did we have an illustration of hard soil, hard ground, but we had an illustration right there of stony ground. And even around the foot of the fence posts, there was shallow soil as we went a couple of inches under the soil and hit the concrete base at the foot of the, um, uh, the fence uh, posts. And then amazingly, there must have been some good soil because um, we planted and enjoyed planting. In the course of our 38 years of marriage, we've killed more plants than you could possibly imagine uh, killing. And uh, we seem to have had some success because the plants that we put in over the Easter weekend um, are still there. And actually in that tiny plot, we found all four different types of soil. Hard soil and um, stony ground and shallow soil and seemingly good soil. So just hang on to that image that in the one plot of land, maybe in the one life, which is our life, we can find all four sets of soil if we look uh, deep enough. But the point is that a parable with a sower and with seeds and with different kinds of soil is something that we know about. We might say in a modern phrase, we've been there, we've done it, we've got the t-shirt. This is not an inaccessible image of Jesus from 2000 years ago, but it's a fantastically durable image that still speaks to us right where we are at the beginning of the 21st century. Um, so what to say that's never been said before? Well, I, I couldn't begin to offer you anything that's never been said before, but I do want to share with you the one thing that has caught my imagination as I've pondered this parable during the past week. And I'd just like to unpack that one thing and apply it a bit and let me tell you, I very rarely preach a sermon without three points. So there is a second and a third point. They're much briefer, <laughs> okay, after I've sort of unpacked the one thing. And the thing that caught my imagination is this. It's the power of seeds to create life that wasn't there before. That makes sense to you? The power of a seed to create life that's not been there before. And it's stating the obvious, and you know it better or as much as I do, that seeds produce life. That every seed has within it the potential 
to produce life. So we plant the tiniest of seeds and from it comes a bush or from it comes a tree and from it comes even a harvest. And many of you all know as well as I do that other great parable of Jesus about a tiny mustard seed, uh, the smallest of all the seeds on the earth, says Jesus. But you plant that tiny, tiny, hardly visible mustard seed in the ground. And from it can grow, as Jesus said, the largest plant in the garden, where there's so much leaf and so much foliage that the birds of the air come and take their rest in the shade of uh, the leaves of the mustard tree. I'm just taking again uh, what an astonishing thing seeds are. Give me a nod if you would agree. They are absolutely packed. They're more or less quivering with potential to create something that has never existed before. And isn't that why spring is such a great season? <laughs> I've lived periodically in countries where there isn't a spring and I, I just love it in our country because everything is coming alive before our very eyes. And in this parable, and this is the point, Jesus says that the seed is the word. And if we look into Luke's gospel, uh, Luke's account there is very explicit. The seed is, and I quote, the word of God. Uh, the seed in Matthew's account here, and let's be honest, Jesus, when I'm sure, have told this parable many times. The, the, the seed in Matthew's account is the message about the kingdom. So this potent seed that Jesus speaks about, that has the capacity to create something that's never existed before, is the word of God. It's the message of the kingdom. And the scriptures themselves tell us lots of things about the word of God, more than I can begin to unpack here. The scriptures speak about the power of the word in the effect that the word has when it is unleashed. And there are plenty of verses I could have brought to illustrate that. They speak about the illumination that the word brings to our minds and to our hearts. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to our path. It gives us light that illuminates our path through uh, life. Uh, the scriptures speak about the word of God having the capacity to speak into the fine details of our lives. Paul says it even has the capacity to divide bone from marrow. Uh, that which is not perceivable to the human eye, the word of God, can address right into the issues of our lives. And of course, Paul says um, that the scriptures, the word of God, are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So there's loads there in the scriptures about the word of God, but maybe the distinctive thing that this parable of the sower tells us is that the word of God has the power to create life that wasn't there before. Got it? That the word of God has the power to create life that simply wasn't there before the word was planted that when it is spoken, things happen. Uh, life is generated, life appears, 
uh, barren that landscape that previously before the sowing and hearing of the word was spiritually barren and bare and bereft of life becomes wonderfully something that's green and fertile and full of life and in spiritual hearts and spiritual places where there's no fruit when the word is planted the seed of the word is planted an astonishing harvest comes 30 60 a hundred times as much seed as was sown. So I don't know whether you're with me. <laughs> I would even nod and agree or shout hallelujah or something. But the word of God has the astonishing capacity to create life where there was no life. And isn't that, if we take a step back, isn't that the consistent message throughout the scriptures? And it's there right at the beginning, isn't it? When God speaks at the creation, life appears not when he goes through a manufacturing process but when he speaks life uh, appears in all its immensity and all its variety and god said and there was light and there was water and there were seed bearing plants and animals and then there was you and me created in the very image of god what a, an astonishing thought that we are the fruit of the seed of God speaking. That we as human beings are the ultimate evidence of the creative power of God's word. And in worship in, in the Central Telford Ecumenical team this morning, we sang that lovely song, So Will I, and I've just brought it up on the screen. Um, and as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. Doesn't it bring tears to your eyes? But when God speaks, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapour of your breath, the planets form. You don't speak in vain, no syllable, empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. Uh, the word in creation, bringing life where there had previously been no life. And then Jesus came as God's word, as the Logos, God's word, made flesh, enfleshed like us. So we might therefore say that the whole of Jesus's life was a word, and from it came life that wasn't there before. Uh, the scriptures say the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. I love the story of the Russian ballerina who danced to Tchaikovsky music in the middle of a nursing home where people were sitting around the walls as they do, inert and only half alive, not moving. And I think it's a true story relating to at least one occasion where the ballerina danced to Tchaikovsky in the middle of the nursing home room and suddenly the limbs of the elderly people began to move in time with the music and they began to actually move in the same way that the ballerina was moving and i thought what a wonderful image that is of jesus who makes the half life half alive become fully alive who makes us dance in a way we'd not danced ever before. 
um, he has the capacity as the word wherever he went to create something that had never existed in the course of human uh, history no wonder people followed him because they found that as his word came into their lives they became alive he gave them something that was utterly new in the way that he spoke and by his very being and then paul tells us that when we receive the word of god into our lives we become someone who wasn't there before but as we receive the word of god into our minds and our hearts that we become a new person memorably he says if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new has come and, and we know that friends many of us from long years of experience that be, becoming a christian isn't getting religion <laughs> it isn't starting to do religious things when we admit the word jesus into our lives we become an utterly new person in our entirety god creates in us something that wasn't there before and then don't the scriptures do that don't they do that for you day by day as we read them as we hear them that new things start to happen in us we suddenly find love for a person we've really struggled with loving before we find a bit of joy coming into the coronavirus lockdown we find patience to be able to bear with a really difficult person. We find some self-control in the way that we manage our emotions. We find loads of things starting to come into our lives, gifts of the spirit. We find his provision in the needs and issues of our lives. And they appear not because of our effort, but because the seed of God's word has come into us. And it's starting to produce stuff that wasn't there before. Am I making sense? Give me a nod if I am. <laughs> How utterly, utterly wonderful. And friends, this is what will happen as the word reaches the ears of the people of Telford. Uh, this is what will happen as the word of God is sown into the lives of 170,000 people in this uh, great town as it's sown into the places and communities, the schools, the nursing homes, the whole of the fabric of the life of Telford, that where there is no life, as the word is planted, life will begin to appear as we have never seen it before. And that for me is the adventure, friends, of what we are about in this great issue of Telford Minster. It's not about what we're going to do or this great church that we're going to build. It's about what we're gonna watch God doing as we simply take our little bit of responsibility of putting our hands into a satchel and throwing out some seed. And so long as we're faithful in that small thing, I believe that we're going to sit back and see God do utterly wonderful things, creating life where there has not been life before. And that's why I'm in this call. And that's why I'm backing back to the hilt uh, out of an absolute and deep conviction that God can do something here.
which we've never, ever, ever seen before. And it will come as the seed of God's word is planted into the soil of human lives and communities and all sorts of things around us. Amen. So here's the two little final points. And they're pretty obvious. Firstly, seed needs sowing. I was once given a pack of seeds and it sat on my desk for 15 years. I never planted it. Um, and I think probably they lost their potency. Seeds need planting. They have to be sown if they're to do that generative work of creating life where there is no life. And friends, I'm, I'm absolutely up for the missional challenge, but it means personally for us also in our spiritual lives that we've got to put ourselves often in places where the seed is being sown. Entirely personally, within our marriages, for those of us who are married, within our families, for those of us who have families, we need to be in places where we listen to scripture, where we open ourselves to the prophetic, where we're attentive to God's gentle whisper in our ears, in our daily lives. It'll mean for us at Telford Minster that we are a church of the word, that we do not neglect it, that we open it frequently in our business meetings as much as in our collective worship, that we grapple with it, we seek to go deeper into it, that we honour the preached word and we honour the prophetic word. And it means in Telford that we sow the words into the lives of the people of this town of all ages and do so with the lack of discrimination and with the total determination that we see in the sower in Jesus's parable. And the second and final point is this, that seeds do of course need receptive soil. And we need to be praying as I think we already are for receptive soil as we share the gospel in Telford. Because I think Jesus helps us to be realistic actually, that there will be hard soil out there. There will be people who receive the word but it dies away after a few months or a few years they're not willing for the cost of and, and the long-term commitment of it uh, there will be people almost certainly will be people who are living cluttered lives that have got only a limited place for the kingdom and we need to be praying that the, the lord will prepare the soil and make it receptive and friends we need to make sure too for ourselves that our hearts and our minds are receptive to this astonishing seed of the word that God wants to put into them. The easiest way of applying this parable is the wrong way. The easiest way is to say that person over there is shallow soil and that other person over there is this and that other person and the challenging way and surely the right way is to say, actually, there's in my life hard soil. Where is it? Where does it need digging over? I'm sometimes too shallow. I've allowed myself to get stuck at a certain spiritual level, and I'm not digging any deeper. And we can get cluttered and caught up in all sorts of other business in life. 
that the work of the kingdom, the work of the life of Christian discipleship gets engulfed by all this other stuff and muchness that's going on in life around us. I've spoken for far too long, I know, but just hold on to the one thing that seeds have an astonishing capacity to create life that wasn't there before. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold what was sown. So here we go. May we be good soil, uh, friends, in Telford Minster, that produces an abundant harvest. May we be a church that welcomes the word. And may we sow generously in our town and then stand in awe and amazement as we see life appear that wasn't there before. Rivers of justice flowing, righteousness like a never-ending stream. A church born that points people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that exalts him, that causes people to worship and to honour him. That we see the kingdom of God coming in the fairly mundane fabric of this new town in a way that might actually be a wellspring for a renewing, reviving work of God in Shropshire and in the nation. And all of that can happen if we sow the seed of God's astonishing word. Amen.